gives me great pleasure to introduce the first of our two guest speakers today. Carola Bracco is the executive director of Neighbors Link, and she has joined us this morning um, to tell us some more about that wonderful organization and how we can be involved and work together with them. Carola, thank you for being with us. Thank you very much for inviting me here today. And I can't tell you, it's really quite moving. Your service is beautiful. So thanks for including me. I'd like to start by quoting an article in the journal News. Uh, the article read, New immigrants aren't learning English, union officials and activists told a congressional panel. They send all their earnings home and refuse to become Americans. They depreciate properties and they drive other people out, said Frank Hawley, a union president. They do not become citizens and they do not become interested except as to how much money they can send home. The year this article was written was 1909 and the new immigrants arriving were coming by steamship from Italy and from Greece and from elsewhere in Eastern Europe. And at the time, at the time there were no caps on immigration from Europe and the number of people coming to Ellis Island had reached its peak. The main restriction, however, was on the Chinese laborers. The Chinese, it was thought, could never assimilate. A 1996 article in the New York Times tells us the following. Around midnight one night, police and building inspectors raided a home in Mount Kisco, and they woke up 25 Hispanic day workers. They photographed them in their beds, they ordered them to pack, and they told them that they would have to sleep on the floor of a community center across the street. Their offense was to live in overcrowded housing. During this time, for the immigrant community, unpaid wages was causing a significant amount of resentment among the day workers and hazardous working conditions and on-the-job injuries was increasing that resentment. And workers hurt on the job were often abandoned by the sidewalk to fend for themselves. Extreme hostility existed in our community during this time and there was a tremendous amount of fear on the part of the day workers to stand for themselves. Neighbors Link was created to address these tensions and it is through our programs and through the open-mindedness of individuals like you in our community that major steps have been taken in our area. A wise man recently asked me, why is it that in our history every new wave of immigrant is viewed as a threat and with disdain by the prior wave of immigrants and then vindicated as courageous by future generations? It's true. The stories you read in the paper are often about the most visible of immigrants, the day worker men that wait out in the streets. And the general impression across the country seems to be that most immigrants are day labor men who are here alone and they send their money home and they plan to return to their countries as soon as they can scrape together enough savings. But this is not the truth and this is not the complete picture of immigration. The fact is that what is true locally is also true nationally, that less than 1% of the immigrants in our country are day laborers, less than 1%. In a community that Neighbors Link serves, we have a significantly larger population of immigrant families than we do day laborers. And you typically do not see these members of the families waiting on the street corners for work. This workforce tends to work in the low end low-pay, dead-end jobs, working at night as office cleaners and in restaurants, 
We all know them and we see them. They are in our homes as housekeepers. They take care of our yard as landscapers and they care for our children. And now more frequently than ever, they are also caring for our aging parents. This part of the workforce is more invisible to most of us, but they have played a significant role in our economy over many decades. But there is a distressing side to this part of immigration. To come to this country, many families must separate and this has been devastating. At Neighbors Link, when we realized that families made up such a significant portion of the population, we began to expand our programs to include families and to help them integrate into the community. We learned that families who have come to this country did so because they have reached a breaking point. There was no other choice for them but to leave their home country and try to make a new life. And usually, this is because they can no longer keep their children safe or provide a home for them. Luxuries such as elementary school education and health insurance for their children is not even on their radar. Most parents tell me it is not so much that they made the decision to come to this country, but rather the decision was made for them, and they had no option. I wonder what you would do if you knew that your 10-year-old's academic education was over. I think that you would do anything you could, and I know that I would. One of the most defining moments for many families that come to this country is the decision of which children to leave behind and which to bring along, if any. Do you bring along your two-year-old because that's the baby that understands, that only you understand their cries, or do you bring along your 12-year-old because your young daughter is gonna become a woman soon and I might need your advice and counsel? Or even worse, do you leave them all behind so that you can work two jobs and maybe make money that much quicker and be able to be back together again that much quicker? Parents agonize over this decision and then they push on to make the trip to this country. At first, it works out okay for the families because here in this country, there's food and there's clothing and the most important thing, there's opportunity. But so many underestimate how hard it will be to learn English especially for adults who have about an average of a fourth grade education. They understand, they completely underestimate the number of years it will take before they can see their children again. And they don't realize that when they see each other again, they will be strangers to each other. Parents have no idea the depression that will follow. And it is at this point that parents come to Neighbors Link. Usually they come to us once they've lost their jobs or their marriages have begun begun to disintegrate. They are struggling and they realize that being in this country is harder than they ever thought it would be. And at Neighbors Link, with your help, we offer them support. We don't judge their decision to come to this country and we offer them a plan of how to survive in this country. So at Neighbors Link, we just don't teach weekly English classes, we foster integration. We don't just teach computer classes, we empower moms and dads so they can help their kids on their internet program. And family night isn't just a social gathering with workshops. We offer tools to help moms and dads be nurturing parents and supportive spouses. When there's an organization like Neighbors Link that is supported by partners like you, we all begin to see that there are peaceful and positive ways for dealing with the reality in our country. When families begin to realize the strain of being separated is ruining their lives, you can imagine that what comes next for these families is that their children come to join them so that they can be with their moms and their dads and their brothers and their sisters. 
You would think that the reunion would be a huge relief for the families, but what we have found is that parents and children no longer know each other, and that the resentment of having, be left, having been left behind follows the kids for a lifetime. And if asked, parents continue to say the same thing, that they would do it again if they had to, because this was the best way to give their children a future. And I share this information with you, not so that you'll feel pity or feel sad for these families, but so that rather you'll understand the amount of courage it takes to make the decision to migrate. We work together with families as kids and parents try to work through the issues that separation and reunion have caused. But I can tell you that if we ignore these issues that these children and these parents face, our community will suffer. If we accept the issues faced by the immigrant community and accept the reality that exists in our country today, regardless of our stance on immigration, then our community will be stronger for it. That is what we are facing on a daily basis at Neighbors Link. So as political leaders struggle with possible solutions of border control and immigration reform at Neighbors Link, we accept the reality that exists in our community, and we, along with your help, are working to improve the lives of many individuals. As you determine what role you want to play or where you stand on this issue, I encourage you to remember that it is very complex, it has a human face, and that poverty does exist in our community. None of what has been accomplished in this community has been done alone, and I think we are a unique community. Our hospital, our schools, other nonprofits, partners like the Emergency Shelter Partnership and congregations like yours are part of the solution. This congregation did not just build a beautiful stone patio at our center. You created a warm and inviting space for people to gather and feel welcomed. You don't just come to Neighbors Link to trim a Christmas tree every year. You bring your families and you create an atmosphere of friendship and you fill a void in people's lives. And you just don't provide meals that fill bellies. And you don't just open your doors for the shelter. You join us in celebrating the fact that we are all human together and we deserve to feel safe. Thank you very much for inviting me here today. Thank you, Carola. I know that when I help people, I feel great about myself and I, I feel great about getting to connect with people. And so I think that we all need some energy right now. So I invite you all to rise in body or spirit and join me in, in moving some energy so that we can all feel how great it is to help one another. So rise in body or spirit and, and join me in just give yourself a couple little taps. Do it to yourself. Only you know how hard you need to hit yourself to move that energy all around and move it through your chest, and then through your legs. And then maybe, you know, the back of your head, and maybe your behind a little bit, needs a little bit of energy after sitting on these metal chairs for a little while. And move that energy all through you. And now that you're all buzzing with energy, I invite you to sit down and and we're gonna do something called a power breath. And I learned this, it's best sitting down, but it's best if you're not so close to someone next to you that, that you're gonna hit them. 
So I invite you to, to spread out just a little bit sitting down and to take a deep breath. And as you take that deep breath, raise your arms above your head if you're able to do that. So, and then we're gonna exhale together and we're gonna exhale and we're gonna make as much noise as we can and bring our arms down. So it goes something like this. Whew. All right, now let's do that again. Deep breath. Deep breath. One more time. Deep breath. Okay, and that's what it feels like to help other people. So, Julia Rentschner Kelly and Navi Weiss are going to tell us a little bit about the work that they've done with the Emergency Shelter Project, and then Joe is going to tell us more about that and introduce our second special guest. I'm Navi Weiss and I'm Julia Rentschner Kelly. We are the members of the Junior Youth Group. Every January, our fellowship provides shelter to the men and women in our community who don't have any other place to go. We do this for one week. Each week that week, each night that of the week, the fellowship serves a meal to about 20 of our guests. The youth group serves the meal on Sunday night. Usually our parents cook the food, but that's not true in all cases. Sometimes we help with that too. We set tables, welcome the guests when they, when they come in and dish up the food. When we feel comfortable, we have conversations with our guests. It feels good to help out, and it's an important job that the fellowship does every year. And we like being a part of our community here at the fellowship, and a part of the whole community of Mount Kisco. Everyone needs a warm meal and a safe place to put their head down at night. Thank you, Julia and Navi. You did a great job of uh, explaining the program. I just want to, um, I'm going to introduce that guy over there in a minute, but um, just want to say that in terms of signing up, uh, we put out a notice in October, November, and we need someone to be in charge of the meal that night and someone else to stay over in the fellowship. And we do this for one week, and we're going to be doing it the week between Christmas and New Year's over, you know, including New Year's Eve. So if you don't have anything else to do for New Year's Eve, I mean, it's really a swinging place to be. Um, okay. Um, so I, I'm not gonna say much, but except for one thing, is that if you Google the word mensch, a picture of Mel comes up. Mel Berger. <laughs> 